It's time for Ms. The Wiz Montalban Fantasy Football Podcast, the best place to go to get all your fantasy football news, analysis, and advice to dominate your league. Breaking news alert! Burke and Miz talk off-season signings. Please call the police if you see anyone suspicious not listening to this podcast. We're going to jump right into the breaking news, just because there's a lot of it. A lot of trades are going on, a lot of cuts, a lot of pickups. So we're just going to go over the things that are fantasy football relevant. The first one is Jaguars trade QB Gardner Minshew to the Eagles for a con- conditional six-round pick. And I don't know how I feel about this one, uh, mostly because you know Joe Flacco is there for the Eagles. And Joe Flacco hasn't looked good since he left the Ravens. But I'm not sure if that means Minchie's going to slide into that backup quarterback role or if it's going to be Flacco. And I feel like it's kind of relevant because, you know, we all have a lot of faith in Jalen Hurts to have a decent season. But if for some reason he gets hurt or he falters, um, I just don't know who that, you know, that second, third string quarterback is. Uh, what do you think about that situation, Burke? Yeah, you know, it's it's kind of a strange trade as well. You know, I think Minshew's probably a, a better longer-term backup option than Joe Flacco. Um, mm-hmm. Probably brings a little more to that position um, than Flacco does this year even. Um, but it is it, it was somewhat of a surprising trade uh, to see him bring in Minshew. Um, Jalen Hurts is clearly the starter there, and uh, Flacco was clearly the backup. Bringing in Minshew, you know, brings some question marks for, you know, long-term confidence in Jalen Hurts. For sure. And, you know, with Joe Flacco, uh, this, you know, I, I figured this might mean that Joe Flacco might have got cut by the Eagles, but he's going to be there. So, uh, yeah, you're looking more probably like a long term uh, trade for Gardner Minshew. And uh, you, you make it make it's peculiar, I guess, uh, because, you know, you think that they would try to show their faith a little bit more in Jalen Hurts. Um, anyways, Panthers cut kicker Joey Sly, and I usually don't talk about kickers, but Joey Sly has been there for a while and has been pretty productive, and he is there no more. So um, they're moving on. They made a trade with the Giants, and uh, uh, I don't even remember the kicker's name that they traded him for, um, but uh, I guess now he's going to be taking over the duties, and Joey Sly is out of a job. Irv Smith, he's having meniscus surgery. And it's looking like he's going to miss the season. It's a four to five month injury. And I just spent the last podcast raving about how I thought he was going to have an amazing season. And that was all for nothing because now he's not even going to have a season. Or if he does, it's going to be t- towards the tail end of the season. So that kind of wipes out Irv Smith's uh, potential. But uh, in the same vein, the Jets traded for tight end Chris Herndon, Burke's boy, who he. T- Burke talked yeah. about in the last podcast. Uh, but you know what? I really like Chris Herndon uh, for the Vikings. Like, I really think he has upside. And I actually, uh, you know, Irv Smith dropped him out of my tight end rankings altogether. But I kind of moved Chris Herndon into the top 20. I think uh, he's not going to have as big of a season as Irv Smith. Uh, I think, you know, the people that are going to benefit is Adam Thielen and uh, uh, Justin Jefferson. But there's all of a sudden... 
a value in a market now, I think, for Chris Herndon as a kind of a sleeper tight end. Yeah, I think so, too. Chris Herndon's one that I think every year we talked about it, been hoping for, you know, but then we see injury, suspension, and then just lack of performance or, uh, you know. Adam Gase. Those expectations. Yep. And, well, yeah, Adam Gase is kind of, you know, handcuffs everybody. So, I, you know, yeah. is it was Herndon really bad because of Adam Gase? Well, we're about to find out. He's definitely got a, a, a great spot here. You know, uh, like you said, I'm really disappointed to hear about the injury of Irv Smith. Hopefully he recovers quickly. Um, you know, when I say quickly, that as in, you know, gets back on track for next season because all things do look like he's going to miss the entire season. And, you know, again, just a, a big loss to that, that offense and, and a big loss for something that many predicted and, and the two of us did is Herb Smith having a very big year in fantasy this year. Yeah, so not to uh... – you know, ruin anything for next year's podcast, but uh, guess who I'm going to be repping for our tight end podcast next year? Next year? Chris Herndon. Herb Smith Jr. T.Y. Hilton uh, is getting his neck evaluated, so he went to the IR. It's not supposed to be a long-term injury, but we'll see. Uh, T.Y. Hilton struggled last year, and I think with this injury, he's going to maybe struggle a little bit this year. And you know, with the potential of Paris Campbell and Michael Pittman Jr., I, I think this is kind of the beginning of the end of, of T.Y. Hilton. And, you know, I hate to say that because I really enjoy T.Y. Hilton and, you know, his play on the Colts, but um, it just seems like it's one thing after another with, you know, injury history. And it's not it's not a good start to start the season on IR. Uh, Ravens running back J.K. Dobbins tears his ACL. He's out for the season. And that's really disappointing. I'm glad we waited for our running back podcast today because we would have been hyping J.K. Dobbins a little bit. And uh, now we don't have to do that. And that's actually another, you know, the example, him and actually Jaguars running back Travis Etienne's out for the season with the Liz Frank injury. And it's further proof of why you wait till the end of the preseason to do your drafts because, you know, especially with J.K. Dobbins, you're drafting him pretty high. And then to lose a guy for the season like that and waste a high draft pick is kind of defeating before the season even starts. So always try to wait to the very end if you can. Um, Lions cut, wide receiver Bashad, Perriman. And, uh, but then he was signed by the Bears today. So he's going to have a home. I, don't, I still don't think he's going to be that effective. I mean, Allen Robinson's there, uh, Darnell Mooney. So I really don't feel like there's a spot for him. But... Uh, he, you know, obviously with injury, he becomes relevant. So it's good to know that he's he's going to be on that Bears roster. And then John Brown has to be released from the Raiders. So they did. They released him. And right now he doesn't have a home, but I'm sure a couple weeks into the season, someone's going to pick him up and sign him. I mean, he just has so much speed, and uh, he's definitely a starting caliber wide receiver. So it, it shouldn't be a long-term thing where he's missing from a roster. He's going to end up with the Texans. That's just what I think. That's Texans seem to sign everybody. <laughs> if John Brown was a running back, they would have already signed him. But, uh, you know, I could see him there opposite Brandon Cooks. Yeah, it actually wouldn't be a bad fit. And what's funny about that is I was looking at the Texans wide receivers, and it's just, yeah, it's a bunch of kind of meddling people. And I'm, obviously some of them are cut like Alex Erickson. Um, but what Roberts, Andre Roberts was there. Um 
it, it just feels like it's a lot of like slot number two like type receivers that are all vying for the the same spots. It's like um, it, it's really underwhelming. So you're right, that would be a great spot for John Brown. Speaking of the Texans, they released wide receiver Kiki Kuti. I definitely wanted to mention that because he's been kind of a fringe roster guy for the last couple of years in fantasy and definitely had relevancy with Deshaun Watson in that slot position. But, uh, yeah, now he's not going to be there anymore. Uh, and then uh, the biggest news of the week for sure was Cam Newton got, beat, uh, got beaten out by Mac Jones for the starting quarterback job. But not only did he get beaten out, he got released by the Patriots. Some say it was due to him not being vaccinated. Nobody knows. Belichick's not going to tip his hand. But uh, Cam Newton's looking for a home right now. And that's surprising to me because, you know, I would have done the same thing and went with the young guy and started building that rapport with, you know, the, the offense that they're developing. But Cam Newton's a great insurance policy as a backup. And so just to get rid of him, uh, it, it definitely took me by surprise, and I think everyone by surprise. Yeah, I was surprised to see him get, you know, released. Um, you know, we tended to rank at quarterback. I had Mac Jones at 35, so I thought he was going to play at some point in the season. and had Newton at 27, predominantly because mm-hmm. I thought he was going to start at least the first half of the season, um, or, you know, the bulk of the, the beginning of the season. But uh, um, you had it opposite. You know, you, I think almost in identical spots, you had Mac Jones ranked higher um, than um, Cam Newton. Yeah. And so, yeah, you were right on that earlier call of Mac Jones being the starter. Yeah, I mean, but if I would have known it, would have he would have started from the you know the get go, the beginning of the season. I actually would have probably ranked him a little bit higher than twenty seven. So, yeah, I I got the call right, ranking Mac Jones higher, but I still feel like maybe now that he's the day one starter, that uh, he can slide up a couple spots. Uh, still probably not draftable if you're in a one QB league. But, uh, you know, in those two QB leagues, he, he definitely is on that fringe. So, The, the one thing I'll say, um, you know, Cam Newton and Mac Jones, I think, generally run a different style of offense. You know, I don't think that they're, you know, from starter to backup, you know, I don't know there's as much similarity in, in their style of play, which can be a little more challenging for, you know, a play caller. So, you know, I, I, I can see to some point why Newton was released. And obviously you're bringing Brian Hoyer back again, who's the, a great, you know, um, teacher for any new quarterback and that solid veteran that, you know, could essentially run the same system as Jones. Um, The other thing um, that I was going to mention is, while you may have had Newton, you know, or sorry, Mac Jones, correct, and had him higher than Newton, both of us are really off on fields. You know, we had him like 13, 14, I think, and he's still not the starter. You should have Dalton as your QB1, number 12, right? Yep, that's true. And uh, that was something that we thought maybe Fields would be the day one starter. But, you know, uh, Nagy said that he made a promise to Andy Dalton, and that makes me suspicious. It's like, you know, why are you going to make a a promise to a guy and then performance states otherwise and then still stick with them because you made a promise? Like, you got to do what's best for the team. And I feel like a move like that and, and admitting that it was because he gave his word is not necessarily making a move that's best for the team. No. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and I joke that, you know, if us having Andy Dalton ranked, we'd never have him ranked in this process. Fields will be the guy. Um, you just wonder how long it's going to be before Nagy makes that move. Um, I still think it's that first week. 
Yeah, still that first week. He's just yeah. setting it all up because he's like, I'm not playing field against that Rams defense, and I don't blame him. So I really feel like, you know, he's saying this, but then after week one, they'll be like, well, maybe we do want to play Justin Fields. Um, well, we don't know how long he promised to start it, right? That's true. He's like, yeah, I promise that you're going to start every single game all year. Um, but I also wanted to comment, you know, the Mac Jones, Cam Newton thing. It was funny. Like, they announced Mac Jones as a starter. And then they started doing Mac Jones dirty by posting all these pictures on Twitter and uh, Facebook and the internet of, you know, uh, Mac Jones and his dad bod and, you know, Cam Newton just being ripped and, you know, shredded. And it's like, you know, this guy got cut for this guy. And it's kind of like the Tom Brady, uh, uh, you know, the Indianapolis Combine uh, picture uh, when he was squishy in Squishy Mac. <laughs> yeah, Squishy Mac. <laughs> exactly. It's like... You know, Patriots like guys that just can run the offense and aren't, you know, too athletic. I mean, that's all there is to it. It's just, it's just funny that, uh, you know, they got to go there with the after the decision, the decision was made. But uh, we'll we'll wrap up the breaking news and let's get right into our running back rankings. It's time for our running back rankings. Let's get it started. We're just going to go right into our rankings. Number 30, I have a guy for the Broncos that I actually am pretty high on this year. I, I like the, the other guy more, but I definitely think there's going to be, you know, the, the way the Broncos are going to run the ball, there's going to be enough uh, volume to go around to both of them. So I have Melvin Gordon for the Bronx, and he, you know – we always dismiss him, like we dismissed him with Philip Lindsay, and now Javante Williams was drafted, and we were trying to dismiss him. But he's a guy that just produces, and you know, as the Broncos' offensive line keeps improving, I really feel like uh, Melvin Gordon's game and his touchdown totals are going to go up. So, especially now with you, you know, with the uh, Teddy Bridgewater announcement, I feel like they're going to try to be more of a ground and pound type of offense, which I'm totally against, but. You know, I think that's what they're going to do, and that's just going to help Melvin Gordon. So right now I have him at number 30. Yeah, I have Melvin Gordon at number 30 as well. Um, you know, I'm high on him this year. I do like Javante Williams um, quite a bit more, but uh, I do think that Gordon's going to be a productive back and um, something they're going to utilize in this offense. You know, it's interesting looking at last year's stats. Obviously didn't, you know, score where maybe some had projected or hoped, but still pretty productive at 986 rushing yards and nine touchdowns yeah he's melvin gordon's the, the, the guy that you have on your roster and you play and you're not excited about but he doesn't lose you the week he doesn't necessarily win you the week but he doesn't lose you the week so he's he, he's always a consistent guy that you know when it's all said and done it's actually a value to have on your roster you just are never really excited about having him on your roster <laughs> um number 29 I have Damian Harris for the Patriots, and I love Damian Harris this year. I, I really do. I think he's a dynamic back. I actually had him on my fantasy football team last year and loved him. You know, I, I was – people were, you know, saying, oh, he's in the Patriots' backfield. He's not going to do anything. And he's kept producing. And, you know, oh, he doesn't look good on that run. Well, it was a 20-yard run. I'll take it. I don't care how he looks doing it. Um, but – it does concern me with the Patriots. You got James White. I feel like James White's going to have a pretty big year, and he's undervalued. Um, there's Ramondre Stevenson, and 
even though you know I don't like to take into account preseason performances by rookies all the time, I kind of do under the Patriots offense because they like to use all their running backs. And so just with all those factors together, I really wanted to put Damian Harris in the top 10, but it just scared me too much. And so I just feel like there's too many factors that are in play that kind of pushes them down my rankings. Yeah, I have uh, Damian Harris quite a bit further ahead in the rankings. Um, in fact, um, I have him number 17, but I understand the concern uh, and why you have him at number 29. Um, you know, I think the trade of Sonny Michelle really kind of changes change that for me, mm-hmm. you know, especially if Michelle's to there moving it back. But, um, you know, James White's going to be a present. Stevens has looked good. Uh, but I, we've all kind of anticipated Dame and Damien Harris to take that step forward. And I truly believe that this is the year that he does. Um, doesn't mean he's going to be the three down back all the time. You're exactly right. The Patriots are going to rotate, but I think he's going to be the, the predominant back in this system this year. And I'm hoping you're right. Cause like I said, I really like him. I, uh, he's one of my, my favorite backs. I just, uh, if he was on a different team, I'd be, he, he, like I said, he'd be my top 10. My number 29 is actually Kareem Hunt. And, I really like Kareem Hunt, puts up a lot of points. Um, you know, the one thing with Kareem Hunt is that, you know, it's a it's a benefit for the Cleveland Browns, but from a fantasy standpoint, sometimes it can be frustrating that obviously he's got Nick Chubb, um, and Nick Chubb, uh, you know, I think he's the overall better back. Mm-hmm. And so he does take away, you know, being the better back, he's going to get the most amount of carries. But Hunt is still very productive as a receiver, very productive as a runner. Um, if he was a, you know, a, a back in some other system, you know, or, you know, if he didn't have that Chubb combo and was in different, different um, organization, he would be much, much higher in my rankings. But I do think that Chubb is going to dominate uh, the vast majority of carries, and that's why I have Cream Hunt lower. Sounds good. Um, I have Cream Hunt a little bit lower, but uh, not as low as you. Twenty-eight. I have Daryl Henderson for the Rams, and I know he shot up a lot of draft boards when. Uh, Cam Akers got hurt, and they're like, oh, Daryl Henderson's the guy. Well, in the meantime, they traded for Sony Michelle, and I'll be honest, he, he plays for the Rams. Like, he had some great games last year, and then he was, you know, had a great matchup the next week, and then they didn't use him. And Sean McVay seems to do that a lot with his running backs, and I wouldn't be surprised if Jake Funk came in there and started playing sometimes over Daryl Henderson. Like, you just can't figure out that backfield. And as a talent, you know, I think Daryl Henderson's a, a pretty decent running back. And, you know, that with that injury to Cam Akers, I was kind of feeling the same way, where, like, man, Daryl Henderson has really great value. But, again, with that trade of Sonny Michelle um, and, and just Sean McVay will use everyone and their moms in that backfield. Like, it doesn't matter how good they are. You're going to see, you know, most of that backfield uh, getting some of that volume at certain points of the season. I just couldn't put him any higher and feel confident in it. Yeah, and, um, I actually have uh, Daryl Henderson exactly where you do it, number 28 as well. <laughs> uh, same reason as well. You know, it, Sony wasn't traded there. I'd have him higher, um, you know, but, you know, he that's the case. Sony's there, so um, 28 for Daryl for me. Yeah, but then it makes you wonder, like, even if Sony wasn't there, you get, you know, you'd be really high on Henderson. And, again, you'll see, like, Jake Funk or – you know, what uh, Xavier Jones, and when he gets off of IR, like starting to play, like it doesn't matter who it is. Sean McVay, I think, is just like, you know, oh, who's everyone high on? Well, I'll show you. I'm going to play this guy and do, do it this way. Um, but anyway, 
uh, number 27, I have Josh Jacobs for the Raiders, and I really dropped him down. I just, I don't like the way the Raiders are using him. They, they don't use him really as a three-down back. Uh, he's not catching a lot of passes like I thought he would. And to be honest, I'm, I'm not impressed by his yards per carry. I mean, he's, for him to have a really good week, he's really touchdown dependent. And I don't, I'm not in the business of predicting touchdowns. It's just such a, it's just immeasurable that it's hard to predict. So, um, and I, I just feel like this year it's going to be worse than even last year um, in that backfield. So, um, you know, they signed uh, Kenyon Drake, which I like, but, you know, how's that backfield going to work itself out? I feel like this is the most competition that Jacobs has had, and I really feel like that's going to hurt his value. Yeah, my number 27 is Javante Williams. Um, someone I'm really high on, and I, I think it exploded up these rankings, um, you know, really quickly. The one item I have and where I have here is, as we said before, Melvin Gordon's going to be involved in this offense. And, uh, you know, Melvin Gordon is, is going to take carries away from Williams. I, I do think they're going to be run heavy team, but maybe it's similar to what, you know, not to the same extent, but Chubb and Hunt, where, you know, you're going to see these guys utilized, um, you know, somewhat equally. Um, Javante Williams, though, I think will get the majority of the goal line carries. So he may not put up the, put up the yardage that you're hoping for, but I definitely could see him, you know, picking up those uh, short yardage touchdowns. Yeah, and, and you got to look at some of the moves they made. You know, they just cut Royce Freeman, who uh, kind of had that role a, a little bit, and uh, you know, it's it's really opening up to just be that two headed monster in that backfield. And um, yeah. I mean, I'll talk about him when I get to him because I have him a little bit higher than you. Number 26, Mike Davis from the Falcons. And I like Mike Davis. There's been – everyone's hot or cold on Mike Davis. People love him or they hate him. And there's been a lot more hate lately than love. But I like Mike Davis. I mean, yeah, he's getting up there in age. He's going to be close to 30 here pretty soon. And, you know, usually you want to stay away from running backs at that age. But – He's in a prime situation for the Falcons where I really feel like he can get a workload and you're not worried about Ed or Ed <laughs> Christian McCaffrey breathing down his neck or when, you know, Christian McCaffrey's going to come back to ruin his value. There's really not anyone uh, on, on the Falcons that I feel is really going to ruin his, his value long-term throughout the season. So um, I, I wanted to put him a little bit higher, but I also wasn't impressed with the Falcons running game and I don't feel like it's necessarily the running back's fault. I just feel like, you know, that offense is, the running game is pretty predictable. And so although I think Mike Davis will have a, a pretty decent season, I, I'm i not a fan of the Falcons running game. And so I, I couldn't put him any higher than 26. Yeah, my 26 is Miles Sanders, um, someone who fell quite a bit from previous year rankings. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Miles Sanders is a player that, you know, what he's, he's performed well. You have those games that make you think he's a top five back and then he disappears for weeks obviously um dealt with some injuries um you know and just someone that i can't i can't count on you know it seems like the eagles definitely rotate their running backs just as we talked before even players that are less talented than sanders team seem to get a look you know um, boston scott could be in that mix <laughs> as well so um i have uh miles sanders number 26 all right number 25 and i have uh, kareem hunt who you just discussed and i kind of feel the same way you do I was really excited when Chubb got hurt. Not that Chubb got hurt, of course. I don't get excited for injury, but that uh, Hunt was really going to be able to take the reins of that 
Brown's rushing attack. And then he kind of disappeared. It's almost like he was dependent on Chubb to produce. And he's a good receiving threat. You know, Chubb doesn't get any receiving yards. Hunt does. Um, so there's definitely value in, in the passing game for, for Hunt, especially if you're in a PPR league. But uh, overall, you know, he's just a complimentary piece to Nick Chubb. And I couldn't put him any higher than 25 because of that. Like, he's, he's not going to be the guy, but uh, he's going to have some pretty big games. Yeah, my number 25 is Raheem Mostar. Um, you know, Raheem is, I think, I would like to have him much higher. Such a, um, you know, a tremendous talent. Speed he has his back. The only reason for pause is because of Trey Sermon. Um, I, you know, Shanahan likes to rotate his running backs as well, right? Um, mm-hmm. It's been a, you know, thing that's been instilled in him all the way back, um, you know, as a child by Mike Shanahan. Um, so I could see Sermon having an impact on Raheem's, you know, production this year. Um, I, I do think that he'll be the primary back, but I think Sermon's going to be in there in that short yardage, love his blank carries. So um, I have Mostart at 25. Yeah, who would have thought all those years ago when uh, Mike had uh, Kyle that a running back by committee was going to be born? But here we are. Um, Number 24, it's another guy that we've talked about. I have Javante Williams for the Broncos. A little bit higher on him. I just, I liked, he was like my favorite running back coming into the draft this year. I just really think he's super talented. Uh, That talent's going to win out eventually. I feel like he's going to be the main focal point. Like he's going to get the touchdowns for sure, but I really feel like he's going to be a little bit more involved in the rushing game uh, outside of you know the red zone, and uh, really show his value. And you know, next year, man, look out! Like I'm really high on him next year, but for this year, I think uh, he's going to share the workload with Melvin Gordon, but be the more efficient back and and score more of the touchdowns. I thought there was a chance that when J.K. Dobbins got hurt that the Broncos could deal Melvin Gordon. Um, I thought that was a you know a possibility, especially, you know, you'd have Mike Boone, had Rich Freeman at that time, you know, they had some backs that they trust in or confident in. Javante Williams appears to be, you know, emerging, um, you know, favorite in that that, uh, that team there. So I thought that Gordon could potentially get moved. Um, that didn't happen, but if he had, uh, Javante Williams would have jumped up I know higher for both of us. Yeah, I would have had him in the top 10. Well, maybe not the top 10, maybe the top 15. Yeah, I, I, I can see that, you know, right around that 15 mark might be a, you know, a solid spot for him. But who's um, to say, you know, before the trade deadline that that's something that doesn't uh, doesn't happen, you know? Uh, sure. This, early in the season, things are fluid, so that's something to definitely look for. If Javante Williams is looking like the stud that we all think he is, that could still be a possibility later on. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Um, number 24, uh, for me, I have Josh Jacobs. Um, someone who, you know, historically has been much higher, but I agree. Um, you know, just doesn't get the pat. We've all wanted him to get some uh, targets in the passing game. He just doesn't do it. I think Kenny Drake takes um, that even further impact of what little passing yards he did receive in passing targets. Uh, I still think he's going to be your goal line back, so I think he's going to put us some consistent touchdown. Um you know, production versus Kenny and Drake, but, uh, you know, he doesn't get the passing targets that we want, and Drake is going to have an impact. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I'm sure Jalen Richard is a really nice guy, but fantasy owners hate to see him run into that huddle 
you know, on a passing down because they're like, you know, we want Jacobs to have that volume on those targets, and here's Jalen Richard like just ruining everything for us. Um, so moving on to number twenty-three, I have Gus Edwards for the Ravens, and I kind of wanted to move him higher, but you know, he uh, the, some of the volume is going to Lamar Jackson, and. I just feel like the Ravens, they haven't made a move yet for another running back. I still feel like they will. Uh, I still feel like they'll go with what they have and still have kind of a committee approach to it. But Gus Edwards really jumped up for me because I had him down in the like the high 30s. But once J.K. Dobbins went out for the year, I, I moved him up to 23. So I just I like Gus Edwards. He's like a five-yard-a-carry running back, and I really feel like just because J.K. Dobbins is there, that Gus Edwards could have, you know, done a, a lot more these last couple seasons. Like, he's he's a really good running back. So I really feel like this year might be his year to shine. But, again, I'm kind of hesitant because there's just a lot of different options to run the ball for the Ravens, and Lamar Jackson takes up so much rushing volume that uh, I couldn't put him any higher. Yeah, my number 23, I uh, have DeAndre Swift. Um, I really like DeAndre Swift. Um, you know, I... I I like Jamal Williams, you know, coming from Green Bay over to Detroit. Um, I wish he didn't come to Detroit because I would have Swift much higher. Um, you know, but Jamal Williams is a very productive back, a very good receiving back. Um, as you and I have talked before in some of our other podcasts, not sure how much running will be available to the um, Lions. Don't anticipate them to carry much of a lead through this season. So mm-hmm. I have him down 23, again, much lower than I normally want him. But, you know, he does have another back that can compete with carries and a team that – I'm not sure you're running the ball as much as they would like. Yeah, I would. I would agree with that, and they, they're going to want to for sure. Because, like I said, I feel like they want to be a ground and pound team. But you know, to do that, you need to play with the lead, and I don't feel like the Lions are going to be able to play with the lead very much. So, um, number twenty-two. Uh, this is where I have Miles Sanders, and I actually moved Miles Sanders up a little bit because when he was playing with Jalen Hurts he seemed to have better production. So now that Jalen Hurts is a starter, I really feel like, you know, they with the read option that they do, um, that's really going to benefit Miles Sanders. He's not going to get as much volume as he has in the past because you're right, Boston Scott's going to be involved. Kenneth Gainwell, he's a guy that you need to keep your eye on. I feel like he's a, a decent running back. Um, so those are going to cut into some of his volume, but I just feel like he's going to be more uh, proficient with the carries that he gets and so um usually you know the last couple years i had him a lot higher than this but i I think about 22 is a good spot for where he should be all right my 22nd ranked running back is chase edmonds um very dynamic player player that you know picks up a lot of short yardage touchdowns and you know it's a great receiving back um, you know, it doesn't put up a ton of rushing yards, but can get you those quick touchdowns and then obviously dynamic when he gets the ball out in the open, you know, and passing. Uh, the only pause I have for Edmonds is that, you know, he seemed to be most productive when he was a complimentary back to Kenyon Drake. Now, I, you know, Connor's there, but I still think that Edmonds is going to be the primary back. And so, you know, will he be able to be as productive when he's the focal point of, of that position? Or is he better served to be a complimentary back? Uh, but, again, um, someone I'm high on someone I have is number 22 overall. All right. 21. I have David Montgomery for the Bears. And 
I had David Montgomery's rookie year, and he really disappointed me. It was like, you know, two yards in a cloud of dust. And even, the, the you know, the beginning of last year, he was really touchdown dependent. It was like, you know, he's going to get 50 yards, but, you know, did he score that touchdown? Because if he scored that touchdown, he had a decent day. But if he didn't, he kind of disappointed. But towards the end of this, the year, not only was he scoring touchdowns, but he was starting to get the yards. And, you know, it was great to see David Montgomery because it was kind of the potential that we knew that he had. My only issue, though, is this year, I don't really feel like Matt Nagy really wants to have David Montgomery be the workhorse back. I really feel like, you know, they got Damian Williams from the Chiefs, who uh, set out last year because of COVID. He was, you know, Super Bowl MVP. Well, he should have been Super Bowl MVP when the Chiefs won the Super Bowl a couple years ago. And then, you know, obviously Tariq Cohen is coming back from his knee injury, and I feel like they're going to incorporate him into the mix again and, you know, use him as a, as a the pass-catching option. But then they also drafted Khalil Herbert from Virginia Tech, who I thought had a pretty decent uh, preseason. So I just feel like there's – you know they're going to mix around those uh, that volume in that backfield, and although I feel like David Montgomery is still going to be a decent second tier back, you know second uh, third back on your fantasy football roster, I don't think he's going to have that production that he ended up with at the end of last season be- because of that. Yeah, my twenty first ranked running back is Miles Gaskin. You know, running back that um, you know I'd like to be higher on. Um, the only concern I have is Malcolm Brown. Um, you know, obviously Brown would use in, uh, with the Rams that, you know, he tend to be kind of that touchdown vulture, you know, that your back would run between the 20s and then come to the red zone. Then it was the uh, Malcolm Brown show. He just kind of vulture those short yard touchdowns. Um, and he, he's a very good back as well. So um, Gaskin is someone not to have higher, but a little concerned about the impact that uh, Brown will have, uh, but definitely worthy of at least 21 in my rankings. Okay. Number 20, I have Raheem Mostert, and I am putting him higher than I normally would because, again, I just don't trust Kyle Shanahan offense in that backfield. It was like, you know, there's five running backs, and who's going to get the carries? Uh, last year they had McKinnon and Gallman, or not Gallman, sorry, McKinnon and Jeff Wilson and uh, Mostert, and, you know, they even used Kyle Juszczyk, you know, the fullback. It just seems like it's a really cluttered backfield. But, you know, this year, you know, they drafted Trey Sermon. They, they cut Wayne Gallman, uh, which was kind of a surprise. But, uh, you know, Jeff Wilson is injured, and I just feel like this is going to be a lot of Raheem Mostert. And he averages five yards a carry as well. Like, he's just a dynamic back. So he makes the most of his opportunities. And I, I think just because it's going to be a little – it's a little bit clearer, especially at the beginning of the season. There's not going to be as much of uh, as a, a competition, I think, for carries at the beginning of the season. I think it will start settling towards the end of the season. But I still feel like his impact is going to bring him into a top 20 fantasy football year. And uh, he's definitely, if I had him as my second running back, I'd be thrilled about it. My number 20 is Mike Davis. Um, you talked about Mike Davis earlier. I'm I'm really excited about Mike Davis this year. You know, we saw what he was able to do when given the opportunity um, following Christian McCaffrey's injury. Um, now he goes to Atlanta, and I just don't see any threat to his carries. Um, he's also a very good receiving back. Um, you know, so I think he is the you know the the lead runner here, um, a versatile a versatile skill set that will fit well with this Atlanta system. So um, 20 overall, I'd be very happy to end up with Mike Davis. All right. 
And number 19, I have DeAndre Swift. I'm a little bit higher on him than Burke. Um, but obviously, uh, there's a lot of things that play into, uh, I guess, things that make me kind of concerned. For one, he's playing for the Lions. The Lions haven't had a top running back since, like, what, Barry Sanders? Um, Their running game has been pretty anemic for the last, like, decade. Uh, On top of that, DeAndre Swift's a decent receiving option um, as well, but he's injured a lot, and I'm, you know, until I see that change, it makes me nervous on what his potential could be and how much time he's actually going to be out in the field instead of uh, in the ice tub. And... So there's a lot of things that concern me, but the the thing that I do like is the Lions are trying to commit to the run. I think DeAndre Swift's the most talented back there, and I I feel like you know he's he's actually going higher in some drafts than at 19. So I actually feel like I'm ranking him lower than a lot of rankings, um, and I mostly did that because of his injuries. But you know Jamal Williams again, I I do like Jamal Williams. I felt like he was a you know, a great running back for the Packers, and he's probably going to do kind of have that same role with the Lions. So, um, but DeAndre Swift's used to sharing carries. I mean, he's done it so far since he's, you know, got drafted by the Lions. And yeah, if he stays healthy, it's, I feel like he's a top 20 back. Yeah, my number 19 is David Montgomery. And you talked a lot about David Montgomery, and I think all the things that you mentioned are valid, similar thoughts. You know, I think the one thing to keep in mind with Dave Montgomery is he's never going to live up to the expectations we had as a rookie. I think mm-hmm. as he came in as a rookie, everyone anticipated him to be one of those, you know, top five, you know, eventually top ten type running backs. And it just the production never matched um, what, you know, what the expectations were. And so he's grown to be a productive back, um, but you got to have him in the right spot. You know, is he your RB2, your RB3? It's probably a good spot for him. But if you're anticipating Montgomery to be RB1, you know, you're you're uh, not on the right path. And so I think over time we've grown to just accept that Montgomery, this is where he is, around that 19-22 range, and the RB2, RB3. And I think you have a lot of value because, you know, you're, you're, you're expecting what he's probably going to produce. No longer the hopes of he's going to blow it up and be, uh, you know, an RB5 or RB top five. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, Brooke, that was deep. That was really so philosophical in regards to the what is david montgomery and he's a victim of <laughs> other people's expectations and well, I, I, you're I right pull that image that you know that says he has like the you know vision of barry sanders and the you know feet of alvin kamara i gotta i gotta see that that they you know when they were talking about him coming out of um, college yeah yeah it's uh i agree with that number 18 uh i have I have this person dropping a little bit, and I'll explain why. Um, everyone's really high on him this year. It's Joe Mixon, and I like Joe Mixon, and, you know, he's had some good seasons, but I would say he's about he's a 50-50 running back because he's had some horrible seasons, and he's, you know, the injury bug a little bit too. Like, he's had he's been battling some injuries, and there's just... I'm kind of out on Joe Mixon because every year everyone's like, Joe Mixon, you need to have him. And then you get burned by him. And then the next year you're like, Joe Mixon, you need to have him. And then you get burned by him. And this is like the third year where you're like, you know, everyone's like, get Joe Mixon. Yeah, I would like to get Joe Mixon. And I like his, you know, the volume that you can get for the Bengals. He's a good receiving back. He, he can do everything. He's really versatile. 
he's a good running back, but you know, you know, fool me once, uh, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me, and fool me three times. Like I'm just, I'm an idiot, and I feel like. Uh, you know, if he doesn't put up this year, it'll be next year. We'll be hearing the same things like, oh, you got to get Mixon. But, you know, all seriousness, I, I really feel like it's just an injury concern that I have for him. And if he stays healthy the whole year, I definitely think he can be a top 10 back potentially. But, uh, you know, going off of history, I don't think he will be. And I, I feel like he drops just inside the top 20. Yeah, the problem is when you when you give up on him, it's going to be the year he blows up. So <laughs> you, you can't quit. <laughs> it's true. Um, number 18, I have uh, Gus Edwards. Um, you know, again, it, this could change if there's some movement. And, you know, they sign or trade for another back. But, you know, J.K. Dobbins, um, you know, it's a big loss, obviously. Very talented player, something that we've been really high on if he was, you know, being able to play this season. Um you know, even last year, we were both really high on him as a rookie. One of the most frustrating things, kind of talked about Malcolm Brown, was J.K. Dobbins would put a lot of production between the 20s, and then Gus Edwards would come in to finish it out with the score. Um, games that I thought, you know, from a daily fantasy, um, you know, standpoint, that J.K. Dobbins was going to be really productive, it seemed that sometimes Gus Edwards was the guy that stepped up. Mm-hmm. I don't see him a big role in the passing game, um, but again, a, a run-focused team, you know, in the end zone, Churros carries. I could see Gus Edward being a productive back. Yeah, if, if he if he caught passes and was a receiving back, he'd be really high on my list. I think. Um, all right, number seventeen. I have Miles Gaskins from the Dolphins, and I everything you said about him, Burke. I kind of agree with you. Uh, Malcolm Brown is a decent back. And I'm actually going to just have a plug for Malcolm Brown. Like, if you can sneak Malcolm Brown on your roster, I really feel, feel like he's good value, and he's actually would be a decent person to get in the you know a little bit later in the draft um, because he will be vulturing those touchdowns, and he potentially could be end up being the guy for the Dolphins if Gaskins doesn't pan out. But having said that, I really liked what Gaskins did with uh, Tua. They really had a more run focused offense, and. Gaskins, you know, he, he started to produce. He, you know, had a couple of two-touchdown games, and um, I just really liked how they used him in that offense with uh, two under center. And, and I guess I, you know, I was kind of ripping on the Dolphins' offense with two under center, but that was the passing game. The running game, I felt like, really thrived with uh, Miles Gaskins, and actually that's what made them competitive. Um, my 17 overall, kind of mentioned earlier, Damian Harris, um, again, you know, different spots where we had him, but we're both high in him, and we spent a lot of time packing back earlier. All right. Uh, number 16, I have James Robinson for the Jaguars. I had him way lower, like in the mid-20s, with uh, Travis Etienne, but as soon as Etienne was out for the year, uh, I feel like James Robinson kind of takes on his old role that he had before. Um, now, granted, this is a new offense, so, you know, I, that was a factor for me and not rating him even higher. I obviously don't see uh, think you'll see the production that he had last year, but uh, with the volume that he'll get on this offense, I definitely feel like he's a uh, he's you know just right in that top fifteen range, just outside of it, and uh, this is a good spot for him right now, especially with that injury to Etienne. Yeah, I one hundred percent agree because I have the number sixteen overall as well. <laughs> Great um, minds you know, look alike. Etienne's injury, you know, definitely impacted his rankings. You know, uh, you know, if I would have had him lower. You know, not because of a talent standpoint, just because of a, a workload. 
And uh, with um, due to the unfortunate injury of Etienne, I, um, James Robinson moved up and, and number 16. So a back that you can really count on. You know, I think, um, you know, there's not a whole lot of backs that you don't worry about a little bit of committee. Um, I don't see any committee here with Robinson. Yep, agreed. All right, number 15. And my, 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 how the mighty have fallen. Because I have Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, who was everyone's preseason darling last year and going in, like, what, the top, like, eight of fantasy football drafts last year. And, uh, you know, I still like him. I think he's going to have a more productive year than he had last year. I just feel like the Chiefs are so dynamic and have so many weapons that, you know, and and they're still going to use those other running backs. Like, you know, Daryl Williams is a good running back. Uh, they got Jarek McKinnon. He's looking decent over, you know, for the Chiefs. So I really feel like they're still going to use uh, different backs, and that's going to take away from some of his volume. But if they can really get him into that uh, pass-catching role and and give him that versatility, I really feel like Clyde Edwards-Solaire can have a really great season. I just feel like maybe the we, we you know we needed to pump the brakes on what those expectations were for him, and you know I think kind of similar to what we were talking about with David Montgomery that uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is just going to be, you know, in in this uh, teen range of, of running backs and, and, you know, be good enough to be productive for your team. Yeah, my number 15th is Chris Carson, um, you know, a back that I've had rostered many, many times, uh, very productive. You know, again, the challenge is just kind of the injury. Mm-hmm. Um, tends to have, uh, you know, the injury bug. Uh, but, you know, very productive back when healthy. I think you're going to see Seattle be, again, you know, more of a run-focused team. You know, they don't let Russ cook like we've we've asked them to do. Um, so, you know, Chris Carson can stay healthy, someone that would far exceed this 15th ranking. All right. And yeah, I'll talk about him in a second. For my number 14, I have Chase Edmonds for the Cardinals. And I, you know, I, I, I like what you said about Chase Edmonds and, and not being – uh, as good in as being you know when he's the main back, but in this instance you know James Conner's going to be there, so I don't feel like he's necessarily going to be the main back. But then maybe I do a little bit because James Conner's always hurt, and you know it's like uh, death and, and taxes, right? James Conner is going to be hurt, you know, through a, a majority of the season, or you know he doesn't finish games, he, he misses chunks of time. And that's really going to benefit Chase Edmonds. And I just like his pass-catching ability. He's a playmaker. Um, I, I, I feel like now that Kenyon Drake's gone, that uh, he, he can take on that role of being more of the main back. And, you know, a lot more people are higher on James Conner for some reason. But I, I think this could be Chase Edmonds' breakout year. And uh, he can, you know, potentially be a, a top-10 back if uh, – you know, depending on how uh, uh, healthy James Conner stays. You know, one, one thing you said, too, um, stands out to me, too, is I just think Edmonds is a better fit for that fast-paced offense than Conner's. Yes. So, again, I, I, you know, whether someone's deemed the, the lead back or not, I just see Edmonds being the, the better fit for that system. No, I agree completely. And... Um, yeah, you know, you kind of saw what he did last year, and, uh, you know, I like it, and I think there'll just be more of it. So, My number 14 is Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, and, um, you know, yeah, as Mighty's fallen, you know, a, a top five ranking, I think, for, for most, 
and maybe top eight most um, er, you know rankings last year. Very talented. I think the thing that was surprising was the uh, poor performance at short yardage and goal line carries. Mm-hmm. You know that was one thing that kind of stood out. Um, and there are so many weapons, you know, with that offense. Um, but I, I do think that kind of a resetting of expectations. And I think that you know if he can get the you know Hilaire at uh, number fourteen this year, you know, fourteenth ring back, I think someone is RB two. You would be very happy with the production he's going to give you. Yeah, as an RB two, I mean, I think he's a, he's a great option. I just think he burned fantasy owners thinking he was going to be like the next next Marshall Falk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, number thirteen. I have Chris Carson for the Seahawks, and I'm a little bit higher than you are, Burke, and I, I get why you had him where you did. I just think Chris Carson, he's been injured, and it's been disappointing, but that just can't, I, I don't see it lasting forever. Like, there's got to be a point, and I know it's contradictory to what I said about James Conner and Joe Mixon, but I just feel like there's a certain point where, you know, there's a season where you're, you know, you're not going to be hurt the whole year. And another issue that has me concerned with Chris Carson is just his fumbling because um, he, he, he does fumble quite a bit. Well, I shouldn't say quite a bit, but more than is comfortable for me. Um, and, you know, Alex Collins is back there. Uh, Penny is rehabbing and uh, looks to be part of that backfield. So there's there's going to be some competition, but I just like the skill set of Chris Carson, and I feel like the, C, you know, the Seahawks were talking about they wanted to get back to the, uh, the running game. And I think that starts with Chris Carson. You know, they want to use him a little bit more, and that's going to uh, cause him to focus on the ga- the running game a little bit more. It's going to cause more volume for him, and he's going to have a really good season if he stays healthy. My number 13 is um, Jason, you're going to miss out. Is Joe Mixon. Um, <laughs> if, you're, if you're not on the bandwagon this year, this is the year that he's going to do it. No, I, I hear you. You know, um, you know, extremely talented back you know obviously a, a great runner good receiver um kind of had been frustrating as a Nixon owner over the years of just the ability to get him the ball in the passing game obviously he's had that injury bug that you mentioned i hope that this year is the year that he, he steps forward more G, not having giovanni bernard in uh, cincinnati I, I do think has a positive impact on the production for Mixon. um you know giovanni um, very talented receiving back and took a lot of those targets. And so I think that's just only going to expand the role for Joe Mixon. So, um, you know, like you said, you know, three times and they fool you, but I can't, uh, I'm, not, I'm not, not ready to give up on Joe Mixon this year. So 13 overall. And what I think is funny about that is uh, I had Chris Carson at 13, who you dropped because of his injuries and uh, being frustrated. And you had Joe Mixon, who I dropped because of the same thing. So. <laughs> I, I told you at some point, you, you know, you've committed yourself that he's going to be there, or be the player you think he, he's going to be. Um, you can't, you can't uh, let go. You know, so you got to keep holding on to you, you prove people right. And what's going to mind is if they if they use mix and he stays healthy, he's going to be very productive this year. No, agreed. What's what's, what's funny about that though is I'm going to be uh, getting Chris Carson because you faded him, and you're going to be getting Mixon because I faded him, and then. You know, either they're they're both going to do amazing for us, or we're, they're both going to flame out. <laughs> Anyways, number twelve, I have Antonio Gibson for the Washington Football Team, and I'd like Antonio Gibson a lot, and I actually have him higher. But JD McKissick gets like seven receptions a game, and so you're basically taking Antonio Gibson completely out of the passing game because all those targets are going to McKissick, and 
but as a runner, I mean, he's electrifying, and I honestly think that, uh, you know, he's right up there with Saquon Barkley in his playmaking ability. So I'm really high on Antonio Gibson as a runner, and I he'd definitely be in my top ten, uh, again, if he was more involved in the passing game. Yeah, my number 12 overall is Austin Eckler. Um, you know, I, in fact, I really, really enjoy someone from, you know, enjoy watching, very productive, um, a great receiver. Um, you know, the the only, some extras I have is just some of the, you know, inability to stay healthy of late. And then when being the focal point of the offense, it seemed that some of the running production uh, was in decline. You know, when he was a compliment to Gordon, um, was was very effective in that role, but did see when Gordon was out. He's one of those things that you anticipate Eckler to really, you know, have a blow up week, and it just didn't always. It didn't always happen. Of course, it's not always going to happen. But I found myself more disappointed than not. That sounds like I'm being really critical of Eckler, and that I'm not high in him. I, I am. You know, uh, as I said, great receiving back. Um, you know, someone's going to put a lot of points, especially if you're in your PPR league. Um, number 12 overall for Eckler for me, and I would not be surprised to see him, you know, finish it in the top 10. All right. Well, I'll give you my Eckler, and I'm very high on him, so we'll see where I have him. But number 11, I have Jonathan Taylor for the Colts. And I feel kind of sheepish putting him at 11, but. He had an amazing season last year, and it was crazy because I was down on Taylor, and I was proven right, like, all the way to, like, week 10. Everyone's like, Jonathan Taylor. I'm like, nope, I don't like him. And, you know, Jonathan Taylor, no, I don't like him. And I kind of had bragging rights for a while because he wasn't doing anything for the Colts. And then he just exploded. Man, he was, like, looking like one of the best running backs in the NFL for, you know, the, towards the end of the season. And... The reason why I don't have him higher is, you know, I, Marlon Mack is back. I really feel like Marlon Mack's an effective back, and I, I, I don't, I really feel like they're not going to just give Taylor the workhorse role that people are expecting. I really feel like, you know, Naheem Hines is going to be involved. Marlon Mack's going to be involved. So there's going to be other, you know, other people taking away from that, uh, that volume a little bit. But, you know, I, I kind of meet my words with Jonathan Taylor. Like he, the way he played at the end of last year, if he can just, you know, continue that this year, he he can be even higher than where I have him ranked. Yeah, my number eleven is Najee Harris, and uh, you know, pretty high for a rookie running back with not the most strongest offensive line. Um, but yeah, I'm very excited to see Harris in Pittsburgh. Um, extremely talented back, you know, and he's going to be the focal point as far as, you know, obviously the running game. But I, I think that the Steelers do want to take a step back and not have Ben Roethlisberger having to throw the ball so often and, and, and spread it out constantly. I think they want to establish a run game. And I think a lot of this offense is going to be, you know, focused on and go through Najee Harris, extremely talented. Just the volume is going to be so high um, that I think is well-deserving of a number 11 ranking. Awesome. All right. I would I would agree with you, and I'll – I will be talking about him soon, too. Number 10, and this one's kind of low, but it's Saquon Barkley for the Giants. And I love Saquon Barkley. He's actually one of my favorite running backs to watch in the NFL. He's just he's, he's, he's really fun to watch. Um, my, my issue, though, is obviously with that injury, how is he going to come back from that? You know, what's his volume going to be? Are they going to try to ease him in? You know, kind of like Happy Gilmore, just tap it in, give it a tap. 
Um, I, I, I would, I definitely, you know, if he was going to get that, uh, uh, th- that volume that he had before he got hurt, I'd be all about it. But I definitely think they're going to go easy on him for a little bit until he can prove that uh, he's not affected by that injury. So normally he'd be a top five back for me, but with, you know, again, that injury forces me to put him in that uh, right at number 10 in that top 10 range. Yeah, Barkley at number 10 as well. Um, for all the same reasons that you mentioned, I am concerned about the Giants' offense as a whole. Um, that too. <laughs> and Ingram's injury, and there's just some concern. However, um, if you're getting Barkley, you know, when, when I say number 10, you know, that means you might be drafting him, you know, number 12 or at the bat, you know, the early of the second round um, that's in a, your draft. Pick. That's so a if you steal. Barkley, what's that? I said that would be a steal. Like, I'd jump on oh, that yeah. in two seconds. Yeah, and absolutely. So I think one thing to think about is I kind of hope they do take him slow, and I hope that they do slowly work him back in the offense, make sure he's healthy, and be able to have a, a full year. And so if you get him in that late first round, early second, and, you know, you you, you know he's just working himself in and he's healthy toward the year, this could be one of the steals of the draft because, as you said, he's a top five back he's healthy. Mm-hmm. All right. Number nine. I have uh, Ezekiel Elliott for the Cowboys. And, you know, I've, I felt like he's going a lot higher in drafts uh, this year, which he should, because with Dak Prescott, he, you know, Ezekiel Elliott was amazing. I think once uh, Dak Prescott got hurt, you really started to see Elliott get affected by that, and it really cut down his production. But uh, now that Dak Prescott's back, I think he's a top back again. The only reason why I have met number nine and not higher is – I really felt like last year you saw the playmaking ability of Tony Pollard, and I really feel like he's going to be more involved in that offense than um, uh, you know people would be comfortable with if they drafted Ezekiel Elliott. And that's really it. Like if if I known or if I knew that Ezekiel Elliott was going to have that backfield to himself the whole time, I'm yeah he's easily like a top four running back for me. But um, and just that offense so dynamic. I mean, there's so many weapons. Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, C.D. Lamb, um, uh, you know, they throw their tight ends. There's just so many weapons that uh, I feel like that's going to take away from Ezekiel Elliott a little bit as well. So um, he's kind of a, a victim of, you know, of his, uh, his fortune of having so much talent around him, I, I feel like. Understood, and I'll talk about Ezekiel here in a bit. Um, my number nine is Jonathan Taylor. Um, you know, someone I may probably would have had higher, you know, given that the injury situation on the line. You know, Quentin Nelson, one of the best cards, and then you got, you know, Carson Wentz that's mm-hmm. injured, and, you know, while it looks like he's going to come back, just looks like some of the, the weapons in the core around Jonathan Taylor might not be there. So, um, you know, I, I, I feel that number nine, I definitely wouldn't have him ahead of Barkley if Barkley was healthy. Um, but I think number nine, given his production last year and given the fact that when, you know, Wentz is injured and, you know, they're, I don't see him throwing the ball around a whole lot. I think they're really going to try and establish a run. So I do think that uh, Taylor is a, a good pick right here at nine. Um, again, you know, he's ahead of some people because of some of their injuries, but number nine for me. All right. Number eight. So. I'm on the Najee Harris train, and I have Najee at number eight. And mostly because you've seen how the Steelers use the number one back when they had Le'Veon Bell. They use him a lot in the passing game. They, you know, 
they they go to a you know workhorse type role for that running back. There's not going to be a committee in Pittsburgh. It's going to be Najee. He's going to be all over the place. He's proven that he can pass block and he can re- you know receive. He can do everything. So he's not going to be off the field. And uh, I just think uh, with that volume and uh, you know what they're going to be asking from him this year, even as a rookie, that uh, that puts him in top eight. And I actually think he has potential to be higher than this. Um, so he's he's one of those guys that I think you can, you'll you'll get uh, even later in in drafts. Like he's going around the uh, uh, early second, mid second round level. But I, uh, I I I would use a first on him and not even think twice. Like I really feel like he's going to be that productive. And wait, hold on, I want to talk about the line because I think that's the biggest issue with Najee is sure. uh, that Pittsburgh offensive line because they pretty much revamped it. There's one returning offensive lineman. So that is a concern, and uh, it's really going to be uh, up to the line on how they mesh together to uh, for him to reach that potential. Uh, my number eight is Antonio Gibson. And, you know, I think for a guy that, you know, came to the NFL with, what, 31 carries at running back, some small <laughs> amount, what a tremendous rookie year and extremely talented in, uh, running back and visual. You know, I could see him easily trying to be in this system or utilization like Christian McCaffrey. Uh, the, the issue is McKissick. I agree. Um, you know, I think I'd have him even higher than, than eight and I'm really high in him, but I'd really have him higher than eight if, if McKissick wasn't there. I think there's two vultures that were in the Washington football team when it comes to Antonio Gibson. One was McKissick in the passing game and the other one is Peyton Barber at the goal line. Uh, Peyton Barber has been let go from the Washington football team, so that's one less vulture for Antonio Gibson. Um, now, McKissick is still going to take a lot of those passing targets from Gibson, um, which is unfortunate, and strangely enough, out of um, Memphis, obviously, he was a wide receiver, Antonio Gibson was, so you, you, you don't see that there's a would be a big need to get him off the field in passing downs. You know, but as a, a, a guy that really is full, full-time, at first full year, full-time as a running back, 795 yards rushing, 11 touchdowns, 247 yards receiving, pretty darn impressive year. Yeah, and that's, you know what, it's funny you mention that because that's what boggles my mind because uh, Gibson is such a good receiving back. It's like, why are you not using him to those capabilities? Because McKissick's a good back and all, who, by the way, was also a wide receiver in college. Um, but you know, you see the talent in Gibson. It's like, yeah, McKissick is good, but why not give more opportunities for Gibson? He's obviously the most talented. So just uh, it's, it's odd to me that uh, they won't use him in that role. Um, number seven, I have Aaron Jones from the Packers. And I like Aaron Jones' season last year. I feel like he's going to have another great season this year. It, you know, he's going to uh, – have to produce for Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams' uh, final dance season. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I mean, he can do everything. I, I still feel like A.J. Dillon's going to dip into his carries a little bit. I like Kylan Hill a lot. He was one of my favorite running backs coming into the draft. Like, I had him at number three overall, I think. So, you know, I, I feel like there's there's good options behind Aaron Jones, and that's always scary. But, I mean... You know, you saw him play last year. He, he 
he's a good receiver out of the backfield. He's he's a great running back. I mean, he plays for the Packers that you know like to utilize his skill sets. So I think number seven is a perfect spot for Aaron Jones. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I have Aaron Jones at number seven as well. Um, you know, again, tremendous year last year. I agree. I think AJ Dillon does, you know, impact his production here at some point, um, especially in the short yards goal line type thing. Um, but uh, again, Aaron Jones, number seven, um, extremely productive back. Be very happy to get him. All right. So uh, number six, then, and I'm always high on this guy. I was high on him last year. And I think the big knock on him is he doesn't get any receiving yards ever. But the amount of rushing yards that he gets and the volume he gets rushing, more than make up for it. And it's Nick Chubb for the Browns. I'm just a big Nick Chubb guy. I love him. I, he's one of my favorite backs in the NFL. And I just like the fact that, uh, you know, he's consistently ranking up there with the top running backs. And he's you know, sands all those receiving yards that everyone else is getting. And uh, it just shows the Browns' commitment to the running game and just how effective Nick Chubb is at running the ball. It's, uh, again, uh, you are spot on here. Um, number six for me is Nick Chubb as well. You know, <laughs> so you're on the so, same page. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, just a tremendous back. And you, you know, we talked a little bit about Hunt, and obviously we, we had Hunt lower, but if you didn't have Hunt on that roster, <laughs> Chubb would be – you know, your top three backs. Um, but, you know, mm-hmm. Hunt does have an impact. There's no doubt about it. But um, Chubb, number six for me. We're all we're both getting a Chubb for Chubb. Um, number five, Austin Eckler for the Chargers. So I'm way higher on him than you. I just love his skill set. Like, you know, he gets all the receiving yards. He's, you know, a good running back. You're right. His production kind of tilled off a little bit when he was the main guy. But I, I'm – not a big Justin Jackson guy. I'm. I just. I just feel like Austin Eckler, unless he gets hurt, is going to be the the guy on the Chargers. And I really feel like he was kind of a victim of their offense early on. Justin Herbert was playing. Well, Tyrod Taylor was playing, and then Justin Herbert, and they were kind of you know getting in the groove. Uh, they were off to a slow start. They're kind of sputtering out the gate, and then you saw the Chargers once they got into that groove. They looked like a really efficient, uh, well-oiled machine offense. And uh, the problem with that was Eckler was hurt by then, so you weren't able to see him function in that offense. And I really feel like now that he's going to be part of it and their offense is just going to build on what they developed last year, it's going to mean big things for him. And my number five overall is Ezekiel Elliott. Um, You know, I think that, as you stated, just a a lot of weapons and, Dallas and you know a lot of different mouths to feed um you know but Ezekiel Elliott has been one of the premier backs in the NFL I do think that with Dak back I think that he's going to have you know that ex- that performance that we've, we've grown to expect it's interesting obviously not having Dak the vast majority of the season quarterback play Danucci right he, you know, it wasn't quite the same level mm-hmm. um you know he missed some games too and some of it was just to protect him from injury but he still put up uh, 979 yards and six touchdowns in a limited season without the supporting cast. So I think this is the year that Ezekiel Elliott um, bounces back and, and reestablishes himself as one of those top backs. All right. That's, uh, I feel like, a good call. Um, I feel like our, our next four, not that they're going to be in the same spot, but it's going to be obviously the same people. Number four, I have Derrick Henry. 
I was going to put him over Alvin Kamara, but I just can't ignore, the, you know, I, I just feel like Derrick Henry doesn't get as many receiving options. Um, so Derrick Henry is my number four. He's a beast. You can't bring him down. He's the catalyst of that Titans offense. They live and die by how effective they're able to get Derrick Henry. And uh, he, you know, he can have really big games. And even when uh, he's playing a really good run defense, it doesn't matter. He's still able to turn out those yards. So he's just a fun guy to watch. He's a beast to bring down. And, I, you know, I can't – he's definitely top five, barring injury this season. Yeah, I have um, Kamara four, and then I have Henry. Um, you know, but for Kamara, just I don't see the same production. I'm, I'm sorry, the same touchdown that he had last year. You know, I just I see a little bit of reduction in touchdowns. But that's you know when you're talking coming off from 16 rushing touchdowns and five receiving, you know any reduction and would still make him one of the top backs. Um, and again, Henry just seems to be that guy when you're in the playoffs. You know, he's that guy that's going to get you like two to three touchdowns every time you're in your fantasy playoffs. So um, he just kind of wills your team to victory. Um, so I do have Kamar, um number four, and then I have Henry number three. All right. Well, my number three is uh, Alvin Kamara. And the reason for that, the reason it was a pretty close call between him and Henry. I just like the fact that uh, there was a game last year where Kamara got like 17 yards rushing. 17. And he had like... 25 points because he had like 115 yards receiving and like two touchdowns. So it's just, uh, he's just so dynamic in different ways. And so even if he's having a a tough day receiving or rushing, he can beat you the other way. And um, that's kind of what won me over by placing him a little bit higher than Derrick Henry. And I mean, I I really feel like you're drawing straws between the two, but I have Alvin Kamara at number three. I'm much happier to see tomorrow with Winston under center than I would have been with Taysom Hill. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. Cause, uh, but you're right. I, I think uh, you know Taysom Hill is going to dip into the, those goal line carries and stuff, but it's kind of what we said last year, right? And it didn't kind of, it didn't work out that way. So, right. But again, t- this is a new year. We'll see how that, uh, you're, you're paying Taysom Hill a lot of money. You need to use him for something. Highest paid tight end. <laughs> exactly. Uh, number two, I have uh, Dalvin Cook for the Vikings. Dalvin Cook's my favorite running back in the NFL. I just love watching him. Um, by far, hands down, Dalvin Cook's uh, my favorite. And he can go against anybody. He's matchup proof. He gets a lot of yards. Vikings, you know, again, they're committed to the run. I think they would have run even more last year. Um, but they got behind so much, or, you know, especially early in games, that they were forced to pass more than they wanted to. Uh, again, barring injury, I think Dalvin Cook is potentially could be the top rushing back in the uh, NFL next year, but he's definitely going to be a, a top two back. Yeah, Dalvin Cook my, is my um, number two back as well. Um, you know, a team that just wants to establish a run, and, you know, you're not going to find a much better back to do that um, in that Dalvin Cook, you know, very uh, productive in the passing game as well. And so um, someone I'm really excited for this season, I'd love to see him on my fantasy roster. Yeah, but I have bad news for you. He won't be on any of our fantasy football rosters. (laughs) (laughs) That is true. That is true. Uh, We can all dream. Number one, uh, Christian McCaffrey. It's it's a no-brainer. I mean, 
he was hurt last year, but uh, when he plays, especially a full season, his receiving ability—I mean, he's he's a he's a ramped up Kamara to be honest. And the Panthers are committed to you know using him, uh, you know, to to drive their offense. So it pretty much uh, starts and ends with Christian McCaffrey in that offense. And I, you know, again, barring injury, I don't see how you know he can be a thousand yard receiver, a thousand yard rusher. And that's just the expectation for him, which is insane to me. And I reasonably think he can get that, especially now I like the Panthers' offense a little bit better. I feel like they're going to be, you know, more of a, you know, they're going to open up the offense a little bit better with Darnold than they did previously. And, uh, yeah, I expect good things from McCaffrey this year. Yeah, I agree. I think he does have that potential of a thousand, thousand season. Um you know, again, you're not going to build your offense around um, Darnold, you know. Um, but I do think there is more stability. There's more weapons around, um, you know, Darnold. And, and obviously that relieves some of that pressure on Caffrey. However, he's still going to be the focal point. Either gonna, this, he, he's going to be the one that drives his team forward. And, and all things are going to go through McCaffrey. So clearly my number one running back. Yeah, and it makes Darnold's job easier too. Like you're taking over that offense, you know, at the quarterback position. I mean, how easy is it to – dump the ball off like five yards to McCaffrey and watch him just take it to the house. Oh, absolutely. So, well, that wraps up our running back rankings. So we appreciate you listening, and uh, we'll be back at it here in a couple days going over the wide receivers. So cheers. All right. Thank you.